Hello, welcome. This is great. I'm not as nervous as I was earlier today, so that's good now that I see who's here and I see all of your lovely faces. This is so fun. Um, I just really quickly want to thank Ricky Castleberry, who made me do this. Um, he was the one who said, you need to perform in front of a, a, a live audience to get practice doing that. And uh, he pushed me out of my comfort zone and then said, you need to have Arnasia as your guest. And so also huge thanks to her. Welcome her, please. <laughs> all right. So this is the All at Once podcast where we carry much like all of humanity all at once. I'm so glad you guys are here. We are here tonight with lots of, of goodies that will be talked about later and um, that's because of our sponsors. And so we're sponsored by Larry's Designs, which is a local shop. And there's gift cards for you there that she donated to us. That's great. And then Stanfield Properties and Funky Monkey and loads of um, just patrons and supporters that make this possible so that we don't have to put our own personal funds into this. And so we're just really grateful for them. And to God be the glory, y'all. Hi, y'all. I'm Nicole Golden and very short. Hello, hello. Um, I am from Utah originally, but I reside in Texas right now, the great state of Texas. Uh, I am the marketing director for the podcast and kind of dabble in a lot of different things, but uh, I am just so grateful to be on the podcast. Um, I was really happy when Kelly was like, hey, yes, will you please join us? And I was like, yes, I would love to. Um, it's been a wonderful experience being able to see how they are so accepting of others and how much they encourage vulnerability and welcome it openly. Um, it's been wonderful to get to listen to the different podcast episodes and to see how um, everyone has grown throughout the seasons. I'm new to this season, but it's been fun getting to listen to the older seasons as well. Um, before you guys go, don't forget to get um, a gift bag. There's little goodies in it from us and from um, our sponsors, but so happy you all are here. Hello, I'm Audra. I am a video editor from Dallas. However, I'm in town because I edit the podcast. Woohoo! So you're welcome. No, just kidding. Um, I work on this podcast because I think it's important to continue to help out people who are trying to make a difference in the world in a positive way and people who are willing and vulnerable to speak to the things that not everybody is willing to speak to. So the vulnerability of this podcast has been really eye-opening for me in some conversations with friends and in my own life. So thank you, everyone who's been a part of that. And that is why I work on the podcast. We, uh, tonight, are doing a couple things here. We're going to have some music, some live music played for us from Kate. And then we are going to have some spoken word from Rev. Yeah, it's really good, guys. And then uh, we are going to have an interview as well. So we're going to do a couple different things, and I hope you enjoy the night. She's not kidding when she says you're welcome because when we record, it's often we say a sentence and then it's, nope, I got to start over. Sorry, Audra. And then we just keep going. So thank you. We love you. Let's give her another round of applause. <laughs> She's out here doing the Lord's work. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Dara George. I'm so excited to be here. 
Kelly and I have been friends for a very, very long time. I won't say how uh, how long because I'm not going to age us. But um, I live in New Jersey, and Kelly came to visit me, what, three, four years ago when we were on a subway in New York. And she was like, we should do a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, girl, we should. In the back of my head, I'm like, love that journey for you. But, like, I don't know how to do a podcast. That's not going to happen. But then she just did it. She did it. And now it's a whole thing, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. When she asked me to be a part of this season, she shared, you know, hey, we really want to center black voices and have – black people at the decision-making table, which I think is so important. So thank you for having me. So excited to be here. And I have the honor of introducing the lovely Kate Short. So singer, songwriter, writer, director, and all things creative. We have Kate with us here tonight. Give her a round of applause. Kate has a newly released album called Seasons that you can get anywhere you get your music. On that album is our podcast theme song, uh, If You Were Here. She flew here with me all the way from New Jersey, so let's give her a big welcome. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> um, hi, so I wrote the song that's the podcast theme song, um, and Kelly wanted me to play some other songs from my album while I was here. So this, is, um, this first song is called Seasons. It's about, um, actually, I'm just going to play it. Yeah, I'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> trying to get you off of my mind but all I see is falling in a different way from what I thought would be I'm inclined to sit inside and wonder how I've tried but nothing ever coincides no summer solstice skies seasons come and seasons go and all leave me behind but I can't force the stars to Standing in silent lines Waiting for the call That changed the tides To finally collide And I can't help Hoping one day you'd tell And all the highs would redeem the lows And something could grow without me I can't tell you why I want it 
heart so just get out of my mind seasons come and seasons go and i'll leave you behind and i can't force the stars to Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so that song, I wrote it about a boy, but <laughs> Kelly, what, when, when I, it was in like the first drafts, um, told me that it really resonated her with just thinking about relationships and them changing and people like coming in and out of your life and how you deal with like, sometimes relationships don't last and how do you deal with that? Um, which I thought was cool and very inspiring because then I was like, my people don't, you know, people can take away what they want from these songs, which is cool. Um, so the next one is also about relationships changing um this one is called when you walk away and it's about how um every time you say goodbye to someone um whether it be like family or friends or you know relationships um you don't know how they're going to change or how you're going to change until the next time you see them and so this is just kind of about that tension Yes, don't promise no. Maybe I'll see you in a while. Will it stay the same when you walk away? When you walk away, walk away, walk away, walk away. 
With space the heart grows fonder Or disappears But me, I wanna see the years I'd be happy with you Okay, this next song is upbeat. Um, <laughs> this song I wrote during the pandemic about um, feeling isolated. I think, yeah, I think it's still relevant, I guess. <laughs> okay. Went on a run at 2 a.m. I was tired of my feet treading the carpet. Cold helped me get out of my head When I'm up tomorrow night, I'll do it again Rearrange my room, then rearrange it again The songs I play on repeat won't get stuck in my head can't seem to remember what it was like before but I miss it took the car for a drive in the late afternoon Without a destination in mind except away The sun burst through a window with the shower sparks I used to feel like that Rearrange my room, then rearrange it again Songs I play on repeat won't get stuck in my head And I can't seem to remember what it was like before But I, I, I miss it But I, I, I miss it I miss the car play on repeat won't get stuck in my head and I can't seem to remember what it was like before but I, I, I miss it but I
Thank you so much. <laughs> Hi, my name is Molly. Um, I do social media for the podcast. Um, and as someone who has always felt a lot of tension with the self versus the teachings of the church, working with the All at One podcast has uh, really just been in incredibly empowering. Uh, up next, we have Rev. He was our guest in season three, episode two, and um, his episode had one of his spoken word pieces in it. Uh, we were so moved by the vulnerability that he showed that uh, we'd asked him to come and join us and share what he does with all of you. So please welcome me in joining Rev. All right, so how we doing? A little more energy, can we get that? <laughs> All right, so um, I'll just kind of dive right into one of my pieces. If you guys don't mind that, that's cool. Yes? So <clears throat> I'll start with this. Why was I born black? Born into poverty, bottom day slavery, and that's a fact. I feel like the world was created to break me down and you're telling me it's because my skin color is brown? <laughs> I look at my community and my people and all I see is pain, but can you blame? Because the world that we live in drives us the same. I love my skin color, but to be honest, it comes with a price. No other race understands the things that I have to sacrifice. Like my education, why did I have to go to school? <laughs> I learned about everything but myself, who created that rule. A curriculum of programmed information for eight hours a day why are we learning this? It would be useful in the future, that's what they say. Why did I take tests on information that I don't know who created? Because of education, I feel like my mind was manipulated. <laughs> you don't have to agree, but for me, the school building itself was uncannily. <laughs> and if I didn't make good grades, I had to deal with my family. Family, let's talk about that. How we all have the same question, why was I born black? And because that's something that we never verbalize, we are forced to wear fears, mask, or disguise. No vulnerability, we just pass pain from one to another. So I catch the generational curse from my father and mother. Why couldn't they get it together? Why couldn't they get it right? Why weren't they the best person that they can be so I can have a better life? Why can they communicate? Why can they heal? It's probably because they were distracted by a job and a bill. <laughs> Bills, let's talk about society and how the system that we live under creates nothing but anxiety. Forced to chase a dollar bill just to pay an expense. <laughs> and that's why we all walk around looking so tense. <laughs> We're given a list of options and forced to choose a career. And without a job, we make no money, so we all live in fear. Where do I go with these thoughts and feelings? Oh, <laughs> I know a place, somewhere that love dwells and I'm supposed to feel safe. Church. So I go and I ask, what is life really about? but they judge me and condemn me, then they kick me out. I question everything this world has taught me. I feel so alone. I feel like I'm the only person dreaming about the unknown. So you tell me, why are we here? Why are you here? Because I know why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to speak against fear. I'm here to help the people who don't know what to do. Listen between the lines and you'll start to hear the truth. The truth is everything in life has some type of purpose but we're blinded by distractions so we can't see beneath the surface. Get ready for the rain because we're walking into a new season. 
But first you have to believe that everything happens for a reason. Your pain, your worries, it's time to heal. Look in the mirror and say, I love you so you know it's real. <laughs> your past, your future, focus on now. The biggest secret to life is learning to allow. Open your eyes. Life is trying to get your attention to help you understand there's a different dimension, retention. The system was made to keep us mentally suppressed. I'm not afraid anymore. I'll say it with my chest. We're depressed. I'm vulnerable for my people, so I confess. Everything we don't discuss, I promise to address. But for now, please understand that it is you versus you. Until you put in the self-work, you won't have a clue that you are love's creation, so you were created to thrive. And when you understand the power of love, you know that the universe is alive. So when you're feeling down, feeling heavy, look to the sky. Open your mind, open your heart, and ask the question, why? Love. Woo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, hi, guys. <laughs> uh, my name is James Pierre, but I go by Rev, R-E-V, Rev. Um, a few years ago, I had some type of awakening within myself um, with everything going on in the world. It's kind of chaotic, right? Um, but just within myself, uh, I kind of realized that I was doing a lot um, of things that I was taught how to do, you know, just kind of a, a cycle of every day, wake up, do this, do that, but just no type of purpose in life, right? So I created this character. His name is Rev, all right? And it stands for the revolution, all right? Because we need to change the way that we think as a collective, all right? Um, so, you know, I just believe I'm gonna lead that revolution one day. Uh, and um, I believe that it's time for change in our communities. It's time for change in our families and most of all in ourselves. Um, so I know that was, that was pretty, it was kind of heavy, right? It was kind of heavy. You can give me head nods, it was a little heavy. Um, can, I, can I dive deeper? Can I dive deeper? Yeah, give me some snaps if I can dive deeper. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I had all of these questions, you know, um, I would ask questions like that towards my mom, my dad growing up, like why, you know, we talk about God. All right, God, what's happening in the world? You know, just, you know, we have these questions that we really don't know the answers to. So when I became of age, I started to do research and I started to figure out the why behind a lot of things. And as a collective, we shy away. We don't talk about the things that need to be talked about. And I believe that we can do it with love. So for me, I've learned how to express myself. Um, as you can see, I'm a black man. You know, I have a past. Look at me. Physically, you can't help but judge me. However, um, you know, born into this world with the way I look, you know, I was put into situation. We're going to get into the next point. <laughs> All right. So uh, discovering the why. I see that today that we live in a system, can I talk about it? Yes? A system is a set of things working together as parts of a mechanism in order to implement principles and procedures to which something is done. <laughs> to the land of fear and a home with a slave, sick and tired of this unscrupulous escapade, no longer afraid of the things that you can do Wipe away the residue of the red, white, and blue. <laughs> Constructed agendas and systematic rituals. This is spiritual. Fabricated illusions to capture the mind of the individual. 
born into this matrix. I can no longer take it, dedicated to make a brother feel unappreciated. Creator sedated to keep us mentally confined, behind the design. Indoctrinated media turning our children blind. Freedom stripped from the mind and filled with mystified knowledge. All my life I was taught to go to college. <laughs> Subliminal scenes, counterfeit kings, casting spells in the music that we sing. Hold the hand of a child on the road to hell. We're on a trail. Based on a school system, they created the jails. Legalized murder, abuse has been constituted. Paradoxical laws makes it impossible to dispute it, contributed the most wicked. The system of health generates the most wealth and it sits on the highest shelf. Reprehensible directions, infected injections. Don't know how to properly heal because we've lost a connection. Pharmacies, doctors, vaccines, and pills keeps us ill. We're stuck with the bill. But it's what you eat that really helps you heal. Nothing is real. The hand of Uncle Sam turned food into a monetized program, deemed it acceptable for us to consume ham and lamb. Wake up. I need you to see the scam. Recognize the antic. It's no longer organic. Switched up humanics to change our biomechanics. This is satanic. This is a system of panic, deliberately mandated by the powers that be. They don't want you to see the diabolical perfunctory. Shh, distract mankind with something that'll make them smile. All the while, we're walking a green mile. <laughs> but as long as we're in style, as we walk down that aisle, <laughs> our fabrics are cursed, prohibited from touching the earth, paycheck to paycheck just to buy a new purse. Working a job that hurts, to buy shit we don't need, nefarious activities, robotic necessities. Materialistic pain, diverted by fame, entertained by wheels of fortune, a bamboozling game. Chosen politicians, sycophantic positions, exploit the world's condition, isolation is the mission. Fox News plants the seed, CNN promotes when we bleed, instilling fear through social media that we are forced to read, reality, TV, the defamation of a black man. He's either a deadbeat, a cheater, or he might be trans. And to the black queen at the bottom of the totem pole, forced to provide, protect, and play the man's role, selling our souls to a system of control? Abominable behavior. <laughs> Do me a favor. Call on the king because the world needs a savior. Ain't no love in the matrix. Strategized calamity. Formulated a master plan to destroy a family. Grab the gun, no unity. Load the clip, they put drugs in our community. Pull the trigger, axiomatic, supercilious scrutiny. Flight or fight is how you respond. They already won because the matrix controls which way you will run. Unplug your brain, break the chain, create your own lane. Then you decide who sits on your train. Reconsider what you've been taught. Challenge every thought. Equanimous expression. I can no longer be bought. Imagination uncaught licentiously distraught call me neo in the matrix because i know that i fought for a free mind the matrix greatest opponent you only own the component take it back so you capture every moment created limitless but we choose ignorance slavery over freedom what does it mean to be bliss we have the choice choose to use your voice counterpoise a tickophobia so we can all rejoice the matrix is committing a crime Reclaim your time and it'll shift the paradigm. Love, life, and freedom starts in the mind. You are the system. Love. <laughs>
One more, one more. Okay, yes, so I know that was, whew. <laughs> I know that was heavy, guys. However, you know, I'm here to broaden your perspective, right? Um, that's what life is all about. Can you sit and listen to something that may be uncomfortable to you, but this is something that I live, this is something that we all live, right? Um, when discovering the why, I believe that a lot of the things that are set into place in this world, what we call life, is to isolate us, is to separate us. But ultimately, we're all one. We're all in this moment together. Our hearts beat the same, you know? And it's about taking yourself out of your shoes, out of your skin, out of you. It's not about you and looking at that person, looking at the situation, you know? And um, I feel like the world, we have a hard time doing that as a collective, right? So through it all, give me some snaps, give me some snaps. So through it all, excuse me, you know, when it comes to breaking trauma within yourself, because we all go through trauma, right? But let me tell you my biggest fear growing up, my biggest fear was my skin color, right? Because I was taught, hey, you can't do this, you can't touch that, you can't go there, this will happen to you. That's what I was taught. Um, so I hated myself for the longest. I hated the weight of my hair. I hated my skin. I hated myself. And you can see, that's why most of us go around and, you know, not no disrespect, but that's why we do this. We cover ourselves. We don't like the way that we look because we've been taught that through the media. We've been taught that in so many ways. It's very strategic when you think about it. Um, so learning how to love me. Can I end it? I'm going to end it on this one. I'm going to end it on a higher note. Can I talk about love? Yeah, that's cool. Can I bring it there? So I had to learn how to love myself um, because the world and so many people, parents, grandparents, they teach you not to love yourself because they don't love themselves. Um, so anyways, um, do me a favor. If I say something that touches your heart, give me some snaps because I just got to raise the energy out here. Uh, give me some snaps. If I if you feel something that touches your heart, all right, I want to hear your snaps. Or give me a head nod or something. Cool? All right, so do this. Um, ask me what is love. Ask me what is love. <laughs> and I'll point my finger at you. <laughs> would you call it a lie or would you call it true? You see, most of us don't realize that we are all love's creation. But love has lost its value from generation to generation because from my observation... We love one another with limitation. So let me tell you what love is, and I hope you feel this vibration. <laughs> First off, let me make this very clear. Open your ear. Love is the total opposite of fear. Corinthians chapter 13, love's true definition. Read until you understand that you're supposed to love without a condition, because when I say I love you, me is not in the picture. I'm supposed to love you for you, and that's in the scripture. To love is to be vulnerable, to express from within. But we don't know how to communicate. We don't know how to communicate because we're afraid to offend. We don't articulate our thought or our emotions. And because we keep everything inside, reality is commotion. But perhaps the most important skill we seem to forget, it goes hand in hand with expressing. It's a duet. We can't just talk because to love is to listen, something we aren't willing to do and that's what's missing. When the next person speaks, you listen to comprehend 
and ignore the voice in your head that wants to defend. That's what love is. Can you listen to pain when someone else is telling you about their days of rain? Or maybe someone is telling you what they see in you. It hurts, but are, but are you willing to listen to what might be true? You see, without pain, there is no love. That's just how it goes. We live in a world where pride speaks louder than love, and it shows. It's not about me. Love has no type of pride. If someone can upset you, you need to look on the inside. <laughs> we were all created different, so feelings will be hurt. It is your job to process and identify so that you are able to assert effectively to me what might be on your mental. I'll say I'm sorry because I understand that love is gentle. Now listen closely because this is a very important fundamental. To apologize then forgive will make a moment transcendental. Another missing puzzle piece, to love is to forgive. When someone tells you sorry, you let go and continue to live. If unforgiveness is inside of you, you are slowly dying. It is a silent killer and it will keep you from flying. By now you should realize that love is relationship. Get a pen and write this down so that you are fully equipped. You are incapable of love until you learn to love yourself. And until you accept that statement, you will never be any help. Love is trust. Trust is love. The only way to comprehend is if you look above to find the answers to who am I without anything or anyone. And when you figure that out, life becomes kind of fun. Because when you know love, you know the power that you hold. You feel the light and you shine it like a brick of gold. Love is life. It's the answer to it all. When you truly learn love, you will no longer crawl. You will fly. Because with love, anything is possible. And when you walk in love, your force is unstoppable. <laughs> I got to personally thank love for what it's done for my life. Now that I know love, I can see there's an even bigger fight. Love taught me that I'm the problem, held the mirror up to me. Love broke my chains. Love set me free. Can't you see? Love wants to teach you who you are and what you were born to do. So when you ask me what is love, that's why I point my finger at you. Love, love. Woo. <laughs> All right, so yes, yes. So um, just talking about that, guys, just I want to leave this note with you. Um, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you to this, this beautiful setting. Thank you, guys, these beautiful ladies up here. Um, I had a blast with them on the, on the interview. I'm so proud of y'all for, like, being here, doing all of this. This is uh, an amazing moment, isn't it? Come on. Give it up for them. <laughs> um, yes, shout out to the venue. This is a beautiful venue, um, and it's just a beautiful day. I'm just feeling great. Uh, so I just wanted to leave this note with you guys. Um, I encourage you to really love yourself. Uh, I, that's really my message today. Um, have those conversations with yourself. You know, the world kind of says, oh, you can't talk to yourself. I talk to myself all the time. Even when I was up here performing, I was talking to myself in my head. So, you know, talk to yourself and don't be afraid to do that. Those hard, difficult conversations, that's how you learn how to be accountable. That's how you learn how to be responsible and, and just show discipline. And once you learn how to talk to yourself with grace, you learn how to do that with others, right? So learn how to love yourself. That relationship with you, please work on that because we can never stop diving with ourselves, right? All right, so love you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>
told you he was awesome. Uh, we're going to welcome back Kate Short to play again for us. And then after that, we will do our interview. Welcome back, Kate. Okay, so um, I wrote this song the summer of 2020. Um, I was home from college during the pandemic. Um, and then I wrote this song in the midst of a lot of turmoil with the pandemic and then also the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and I was, um, the song is kind of just about like a response I had to a lot of churches that I was in co like contact with back home. He I'm from Dallas, so in Dallas, and I was confused. <laughs> hey, Dallas. I was just really confused by like a lot of reactions from the church in like a bunch of different areas, but especially with racism. Um, and confused why like we the stuff that we're preaching like wasn't being enacted like people weren't responding the way that I thought Jesus would so that's what the song's about um yeah um wait hold on I gotta look at my notes these are the tuning is weird Let's see okay um yeah and so I wrote the song after listening to Kelly like the first drafts of Kelly's podcast um and then reading Searching for Sunday um, by Rachel Held Evans, you'll like hear a little bit of that kind of language about like I the I kind of took the image of the garden from the dust from her book, um, and about how like God creates all things new um, and is in the process of creating things new. So the song is kind of like a lament questioning song as well as um, like a prayer. <laughs> Show me how to travel These wings of mine are short and shattered in the cold I learn each lesson over and over and over again But I'm still small and change 
song um this is do we have time no okay this song um i wanted to play it because kelly's song and also talking to a lot of people about or kelly's podcast and people working on the podcast talk a lot about vulnerability um and its importance and it's like our path to healing and living in community with each other um and so this song i wrote about my best friends and the experience of like uh being able to be vulnerable with them um about hard things so and it's called highway lights Connecting one 
Can you give it up for Kate again? Good afternoon, friends with and friends of the All at Once podcast. My name is Janice Street, and it's been an honor for me to join the, the producing team as one of the pro producers on this season of the All at Once podcast. One of the things that I've been personally very excited from the very beginning of the podcast was the focus on inclusion. Inclusion not out of some form of charity, but a recognition that intentionally focuses on having more voices at the table as being the right thing to do. And here's the thing. Inclusion acknowledges the strengths that come from justice, and as Rev says, comes from love, and it comes from equality. So please join me in welcoming a champion of inclusion, Arnasia Aldrich. Arnasia is an entertainment executive who has worked with Grammy award-winning artists and is a fierce advocate for equity and representation in the spaces she inhabits. Welcome Arnasia to our show. It is beautiful. And I just want everyone to go look at my foster daughter right now. She's in the back corner being oh held my by God. my amazing husband. She's really cute and was dressed by her father. Yeah. Nathan hates attention. Um, we're a great match. <laughs> Can't relate. <laughs> okay. Also, so she did not plan to coordinate. She just, she just ended up looking exactly like she made that decision on purpose. And I just want to acknowledge that there is something special going on here between the three of us, besides being Umble High School graduates. Whoop, whoop. And that's how we all know each other is from Umble High School. Um, so remember your high school friends. <laughs> that's, that's the rule here. Um, okay, well, Arnasia, welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everybody. Nice to see everyone. I have not been in Friendswood probably in I don't know when. <laughs> so maybe like 15 years, literally. So um, I'm not too much in Houston anymore, but I am from here. Obviously, like they said, we went to school together. And um, so I'm excited to be on this side of town and excited to be here. And thank you so much to Kelly and to Ricky, who's not here, but <laughs> he lives in L.A. or he'd be here. Yeah. Thank you to Ricky. Thank you to Kelly. And thank you to Dara. So I'm just excited. Oh, and yeah, I was not going to be wearing this. I was actually going to wear like a crimson red shirt that would have been so awful so <laughs> I tried it on and I was like no I think I'm feeling more of like this vibe because I forget it's a daytime event so I was like red is more for night so I was like no I'm gonna switch to this and it just worked out so yeah something is in the air <laughs> all right well we are so excited um also why did you make me follow the voice of an angel and the spoken word wizard over there but I'll I'll do my best here um so excited to have you. Uh, would you. love to start and just hear a little bit about how you grew up. Yeah, so, oh my gosh. My childhood is very crazy, <laughs> like most of ours. Um, 
So I grew up in a very um, extremely Christian household. Um, I would say it may be era more on the side of fundamentalism, if you're familiar with that. And um, so very strict household. We had lots of rules and regulations. And um, uh, we also went to church, I think, what, maybe almost every day, literally. Maybe four, realistically, maybe four times a week. So probably four times a week, several services a day. You couldn't miss church. It was just like, it was unheard of. So the fact that now I think I skip church on Sundays, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I don't go to church on Sundays anymore. You don't burn up and go to hell on the spot. I know. I'm like, I can't believe it. But I do remember the first time when I was like 18 and I had this boyfriend and um, it was New Year's and... Um, I think was that it could have been a Sunday on that New Year's. And so I said, oh, he invited me to hang out. And I just declined automatically because I'm like, I can't because it's a Sunday or it, either it was just New Year's and I can't miss church, obviously. And because I had never done it before. And I put the request in. Could I actually hang out with my friends, a.k.a. my boyfriend? <laughs> and not go to church this tonight and I was so scared and she said yes and I was like what and so for the first time I had missed a Sunday in my life I think when I was maybe like 18 and I was just like I felt so weird but I was very happy to have that reprieve but honestly it felt weird and like my early 20s growing up it felt weird because then I would go like some Sundays and missed some Sundays. And when I didn't go, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to hell. And I can't believe I missed Sunday. And it was just the worst. But now I have the freedom to choose how I like to apply my faith. And so I'm just excited about that. Love to see it. Can you, we're going to talk a little bit more about this as we go along. But for all of the wonderful folks here who don't know what you do, can you tell us a little bit about? what you do for a living. Oh Lord. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> no. Um, so I was to, nup, to sum it up, I would say this. I started off in merchandising, working in the music industry for um, people in hip hop and in the gospel industry, obviously, right? I have to have I had to have had that in my life. So um, I started off doing that and I worked my way up and um, start being a director, brand manager for different artists. And um, from there became um, the formal representation as a publicist in the music industry for a lot of different artists and even pastoral leaders as well. Worked with so many mega churches um as well and um that's sort of been how i made my living um now i am in development of my own record label that will be launching next year it's called a jam records Woo! and so thank you so much um and so it's pretty much essentially about me taking all the things that i already do for every um thing in the music industry um i do a lot of advocacy work um, I am a board member of the Recording Academy um, and chair of education as well with the organization. So I do a lot of advocacy um, with legislators with um, advocating for music rights and um, making sure that the music industry is as accessible and equitable for everybody. Um, one of the uh, key facts, I hope I'm not getting ahead, but 
the music industry um, is 50 to 60% of brown skin people that dominate the music industry, but only few of them have um, the ability to make key decisions in that. And so my whole purpose on earth right now is to make sure that I close that gap and with a jam records, that's also something I'm going to be doing is making sure that artists have a fair, creative, equitable home they can go to to um, put out their music and inspire the world. And so essentially, that's what I do, if that makes sense to everybody. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, it's so many different layers to it. But my main job is you can just say a music executive to sum it up. Have you met my friend Kate? Arnacia <laughs> Kate. Kate Arnacia. We'll have a chat later. <laughs> yes, I saw Kate earlier. She was so beautiful. So back up a little bit and tell me more about how growing up, so she grew up in a super fundamentalist home, yeah. and I want to hear more about how that was specific to you as a woman and mm. a young black girl growing up in the suburbs. How Ooh. was that? What was that like? Um how did you learn yeah. to stay in your place? Yeah. So, well, let me let me go back really quick. The first half of my life as a child, I spent it in the hood, literally. I don't know how else to put it, but I grew up in the hood. So seventh grade, I ended up moving to the humble area and um, acclimated to what I felt was an extremely a culture shock uh, for me. And um, but growing up my first few years, um, you know, everyone around us was the same. I mean, we all was, I feel like fundamentalism in Christianity. I think, um, our neighbors, we all went to the same church. We all did the same things. And, um, you know, a lot of the rules we had, like, um, some of the people say, oh, do you know how to play spades? Or do you know how to play this and play that game? And I'm like, I couldn't have cards in my house. Like, what are you talking about? So the only cards we could have in the home were like Uno because they were not played with like in casinos and gambling. So anything that was reminiscent of a casino or gambling or that was deemed a sin, we couldn't have those activities in our home. And so other things, of course, which is you all may be familiar with this kind of stuff, though, but. I don't know. We'll see. Let me know, though, if you are, because I do want to know if you are familiar. So, you know, you have your rules where, of course, on Sunday, you can't do anything on Sundays. You can't wash your clothes. You can't iron. You can't do anything. And if you forget, then you just go to school wrinkle on Monday. So that's how it was. Um, also, when it came to music, you know, um, we couldn't have secular music in the home. Of course, no alcohol was allowed in the home, not no wine or anything. Not that I cared. I mean, I was a kid, right? So I didn't care. But um, but ultimately, the way I dressed was very much a big deal um, in how I grew up. And um, back then, you know, we were taught that, you know, our shirts had to be as a woman. Right. So as a woman, our shirts had to be at least a quarter of a sleeve. Right. If it goes to your elbow, that's. Um, that's better, but at least I couldn't be sleeveless like ever. So that was like deemed and frowned upon. Um, if your skirt needed to be to your knees or longer, you always needed to wear stockings. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it just taught you to, in a sense, like, you know, always cover up because that's what you're supposed to do as a woman, right? You're supposed to cover up. Um, you're not supposed to like be empowered about your body at all. 
um, even inside of the church, it was a lot of, um, you know, we couldn't sit in certain areas of the church. Um, you know, definitely not the front row because the men were in the pulpit at the front. And so, you know, you have to make sure you're not sitting at the front so that a guy doesn't, the ministers would not feel attracted to you or, you know, would not um, look up your skirts or anything like that. So you were just taught that you had to have all these worries and govern yourself accordingly to sort of manage men so so that, you know, it could be easier for men. Um, also, when it came to speaking inside of the church, um, as women, we were allowed to speak, um, but only like on the ground floor. We couldn't like get on stage um, because women were not allowed in the, um, I, that sounds so crazy now that I'm re talking about this. I'm like, dang, that's crazy now. But back then it was so normal. I mean, it was just like, I thought it was normal, but I'm like, damn, that sounds kind of bad. Well, that's <laughs> so really normal, right? And so like we talked about this with, um, I forget who we talked about it, but, but where we have all these experiences as kids yeah. and they seem normal, they feel normal. And then when you look back on them as an adult, you can say with your adult mind, hold up, that's not acceptable, which yeah. is why we need to believe adults when they come forward about stuff that happened to them when they were kids, because yeah. they probably didn't know what happened to them when they were kids was was something yeah really weird yeah no that's that's so true and um yeah so yeah just at the church like I said we could speak but on the ground floor so can't get in the pulpit you can't lead sermons women cannot be preachers or any of that stuff and um you know the man was the leader of everything and that's just how it was um although um you know again I was surrounded by a lot of empowering women but it was to a capacity, I would say, than what it is today. Yeah, I. that's something, too, that I have in common with her. So it's so funny. I grew up in the super fundamentalist church. Women have no rights or power either. Um, but I was raised by a single, how many, badass woman who just got crap done all by herself on very little money. And so it's, it's always this weird tension. I'm like, wait a minute, but you're telling me I can't, do any of these things but that I'm seeing you do okay great yeah. um and then you didn't stay like that right you didn't you learned at some point yeah. that you don't have to be quiet and submissive yeah. and stay in your box and not on stage <laughs> yeah well you know I was always very opinionated as a kid I was always very opinionated I would challenge everything um I would question everything um you know, a lot of the responses I would get is you don't question God, don't question the Bible, don't question um, the preacher because he is God ordained. So, um, you know, it's just whatever he says, that's what goes. And um, but I still never gave up. I'm just I was just naturally curious. And with my mother, um, who was biologically my great grandmother, but with my mother, she would allow me to question her. <laughs> so she really encouraged curiosity. And um, I would just say like, okay, well, how come I can't do this? Or, you know, how come I can't do that? But I did, but she did instill into me a lot of things about being a classy woman. And a lot of those things I still hold true to me, but some things that I don't resonate with anymore. And it doesn't mean that, you know, she meant me harm or anything like that. It was just the way that she was raised. And so, um, a part of that was 
like being totally covered up, right? As a young girl, and um, we would have a seamstress come make our dresses for Easter and all these things, and you know, and she would always make sure the seamstress knew, like, okay, make sure her sleeves are, you know, a certain uh, part. And now I'm just so much more like free, and I really have to credit my mother for that too. Although she did introduce me to sort of that strict um, Christianity. Um, she also had this other side to her that allowed me to choose for myself. And because I always questioned her, um, I was able to find my own way with a lot of things. Um, also, when I did move to the Humble area and end up going to school with these ladies, um, that also introduced me to a different way of being because everybody did things differently. I was in a totally different demographic of people. It was just so different. And all my friends, my new friends, they didn't go to church on every Sunday. And I was like, oh, so you don't go to church tomorrow or anything like that? Because when I was a kid, my, it was one of, one of my best friend's birthday. I will never forget. And I went to spend a night at her house for the weekend. And my mother said, no, you have to come back home. She can't stay through Sunday because she has church. And I cried. I was so upset because I'm like, it's my best friend's birthday. And everybody stayed that night except for me, and I had to go back home. And when I got into the Umba area, that's when things were different. Like, we can have sleepovers and, you know, and, and do things on Sunday without going to church. And it was just like, oh, wow, people really live very differently than how I had grew up. And so I was just always researching and looking at even, like, movies and those sorts of things and just like utilizing that and reading a lot too because um we education was a big deal in my household and so i will always read the encyclopedia when we got our first like computers our research and just see like how do other people live in the world you know how is somebody living in saudi arabia how is this person living i was just always curious about that and and a lot of the things I found contradicted what I was living inside of the church. And so I'm like, well, is everybody in the, so you're telling me the whole world is wrong, but not us. I'm like, okay, so we're the only right people, but everybody is totally wrong, right? And they're like, yes, that's yeah. correct. That is what <laughs> so we want you to believe. End of yeah. story. <laughs> so I'm A like, plus. so we're the only ones that's going to heaven and they're all going to hell, right? Correct. Correct. That is correct. So I'm like, okay, but I never really grasped that. I was just like, so the whole world, like the whole entire world, all the different countries are all going to hell except for us. Even the other Christians who are not Baptists, they're going to hell too. Oh my gosh. Even the Pentecostal people, even these people, because they have different beliefs that vary a little bit. They're not going to heaven either. And I'm like, okay. So I got like 18, 19, and the church, Grace Church of Humble. Um, and it was like newly built over there. And I told my mother, I was like, I just kept passing by the church because we lived over there then. I'm like, can I go to that church? I want to see what's going on in that church. And I just wanted to see. And she said, you're an adult now. You can go to any church you choose as long as you have a church home. That's fine with me. And I started going to Grace Church, and I was just like, wow. And I still love that church, by the way. I haven't been in years, but I love it. And, and I was just so floored because I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, 
it was like a very prosperous way of being there. Um, there wasn't a lot of, um, and I think it is still like a non-denominational church. And so it was just like, everybody come, whoever you are. And people had on like jeans and you can wear pants at church. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, you can wear pants at church. Some people will come from the gym and go to church. And so I was just like, you came from the gym in that outfit and you're at church. And even just experiences like at Lakewood and other churches. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. And they're not going to hell. And this is amazing. So <laughs> Wait, I, I was introducing Cindy Dawson. Wave hello. She was on um, season one. And she was the first person, woman I saw preach. And I remember being in church, watching her preach, and literally looking around the room to see if anyone was upset. And they weren't. And so I was just like, okay, we're, we're cool with it. We're cool with this. This is a thing that people are cool with. I have no idea. Sorry. Um, but like, it's the same thing. You're so shocked. Like, yeah. it's, it's so shocking when you encounter yeah. a different way of belief. It's, yeah. it's really great and empowering. And one of the things I want to hear about, too, specifically, like, I'm a white woman who found empowerment with a lot of other white women. And uh, is it harder for black women to find empowerment to get out of these types of belief systems? Mm-hmm. How have you, how has your experiences been different, do you think, getting out of that? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I feel like as a black woman, I would say this um, culturally, and I mean, and again, every black, first of all, every black person have, has their own different experience. Okay. So let's just say that, um, for me and the people that I was around, um, most of them are still in that, honestly, um, because it's just rooted in you. It's something that is passed on from generation to generation. So everybody I grew up with, they're all in the same mindset of thinking um they may have outgrown some of the beliefs but for the most part they're still there um and they still attend the same church literally since the beginning of time that we went to and um yeah they're just still doing the same old things and I think it is harder to get out of it because it's like I feel like if the history of the country and um and speaking of black people's history in this country it may be harder because religion is something that is sort of from from this perspective of things is passed on to you, you know, and so you only know as much as you were told or taught to know. And um, because a lot of black people are not really rooted in um, their history before slavery and who they really are, his, slavery's history is only American. It's really just this is where America is. It doesn't start, black people's history doesn't start as slaves. These were these were doctors, these were uh, regular everyday people like you and I are today that, you know, maybe were kidnapped or forced or sold or whatever the case may be and to come into a whole new land that we're not familiar with. So I think because we were taught to lose our own African spirituality and beliefs and to um, pick up and adopt something new, you know, we don't have anything else to fall back on. And so this is the only way. And I think because of the history of Christianity and black people and praying to God for a way out of slavery, praying to God for a way of out of, out of, out of all of these things, 
it just seems like, well, what other option do I have but to stay in this scenario? Yeah, I feel like so much of a lot of black people's experience is rooted in what do I have to do to survive, right? Like yeah. that's what our ancestors had to do. And so you, I feel like, I think support system is everything. So the fact that you had someone in your life that allowed you to question things is such a blessing because yeah. for a lot of people in general, but especially black people, that is scary. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is the one thing that yeah. I, that has been taught to me that I believe to be true. And if I question it to what Rev was talking about earlier, like we, we are taught not to question things. And yeah. from a black person's perspective, yeah. it's like, well, this is what I was yeah. told. And this is what feels comfortable to me because it's all that I know. So if I should stray from that, ee, I yeah. don't know. Like, And on top of that, I have a lot of friends who parents didn't allow them to question them. Exactly. Yeah, like you're saying. So a lot of my friends' parents say, if you question them, you would get, you would get a whooping. You would get all these things will happen. You would be punished if you questioned them. So there was not, I had that, like you said, I had that privilege of asking and posing questions, but most of my friends, when they talk about their childhood, they couldn't just like ask their parents for a different perspective or challenge that. I have no idea what that's like. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so obviously Arnacia is super well-spoken. She knows what she's doing and talking about. And so what I wanna hear from her what if you don't mind sharing too like how does all of this go into the music industry so that's your area of expertise you're very passionate about all of these things and and i'm just curious what that looks like for you professionally how does this translate there yeah um i would say i think it translates it starts with like the good girl image is what i would say i mean i'm just speaking from a woman i'm not a guy so i can't <laughs> share that but um, I know, like, I was taught to be a good girl, right? And good girls, they're classy, um, they're educated, which we are, right? But also, good girls are covered up, and they're very well behaved, and they're very respectable, and they stay in a certain position in a certain lane. And so when I first started getting into this industry, um, I did... Thankfully, I was able to work with a lot of, you know, high profile people. And some of those people were in the gospel and inspirational um, industries um, as well. And because of that, I had this and even like the mega pastors that I represented as well. Because of that, I had this thing where, OK, Arnacia, you have to stay and be a good girl. You know, because especially when you're on this side of the fence, especially when you're in the gospel side of things, um, you have to maintain that good girl image. And um, also, it just maybe made me not really understand the full capacity of who I truly am as a woman. It, um, what's the word, like limited. It limited my creativity. It limited my own beliefs about who I am. And, or who I was at that time, because I know who I am now. <laughs> so, you know, but it limited those things. And so um, in the industry, when you, you think, okay, you know what? If I just do X, Y, Z, if I just do all these things right, like they told me to, I'm going to get this. There's a reward at the end of this, right? If Which, I, sorry, you know, I'm gonna interrupt. That reward is sometimes not being assaulted. Like that's right. the reward you get is, yeah. is by being a good girl. That means you're not going yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are a good girl, you're getting a good husband too. So that's just a little personal, but 
good girl image, it gets you everything you need in life. And and so I maintain that good girl image and working with a lot of people that I worked with. I, I mean, again, I've had the most incredible experiences with a lot of them, and I would never, ever take back any of those experiences. But just for myself, because how I was groomed, it wasn't really um, supportive for who I was becoming as a woman. And being in my 20s, entering into all of that, you know, going on a red carpet, I have to make sure, what am I going to wear? Oh, I can't wear this. Or maybe I do want to go to Drake's after party, but I can't maybe be seen at the after party at Drake's, right? I can't um, I can't do or, or be seen or I have to wear a jacket. So sometimes I would have certain clients and I'm like, oh, let me put on a jacket <laughs> so that, you know, they can't see what I may wear when I go out. Or I hope that my client isn't questioning what I, what I'm, what I have on, it's okay, what I have on or anything like that. So, um, you know, it really does alter you in those ways of like, how do people, it's, it gives too much energy into what other people think about you instead of you realizing who you are and what you really think about yourself. Yeah. And I, I think it's really interesting that you said, um, you would find your voice, you would use your voice, you would exercise your leadership abilities. And then once you got into a gospel space or a church space, you would turn that down. And oh, I yeah. just realized that last week with my own church and my own life is that I am very outspoken and have found my voice in many ways. And it's super fun. Um, way better way to live. But I still find myself feeling limited in church. Um, I still find myself wanting to be quieter and not disruptive. And when I have very strong and good opinions on how things should be. And she's so and humble. <laughs> hey, it's fine. Um, but I find, I just think that's really interesting. Like, like I, I've been doing this work. This is our third year doing the podcast. I worked on it a year before the first one. This is my fourth year um, in these spaces. And I, I was so shocked to reflect with my friends Deidre and Cindy about that a few weeks back, uh, about how I had not been outspoken at church on an issue that's very important to me whenever I'm very clearly outspoken in every other place. And I corrected that um, and am trying to do better at that. It's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. And like you were saying professionally, too, I also remember, like, a lot of times I would give and give. I was so generous because I was just taught that's what good girls are. You're generous. You're giving. You're charitable, right? And I would do so much for all of these people, and I would generally get the short end of the stick at the end of the day. But I thought, because I was being a good girl, that I'm going to get the big reward at the end, and it never happens. Because it doesn't get you anything. Being yourself and who you really are is what gets you everything. So um, that was something that I had to realize that really affected me professionally. I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, even during the pandemic, I had this uh, even more awakening. And I stopped working with all of my faith-based people because I'm like, this is really hindering me from being who I really want to be. And because I'm so big on... If I post this on social media, what is that person going to think? What is this pastor going to say? Or I'm also the marketing director at mega churches at that time. And 
uh, representing all of these people. If I post this, what if one of the members see it, you know? And so it just made me just, it's, it lowers your self-esteem. That's what I would say. It lowers your self-esteem professionally and you end up getting paid less. You end up not speaking up about your pay. Um, you end up not speaking up about how you're treated um, because some instances, especially in Hollywood and et cetera, I mean, Hollywood's not all bad, um, but like in anything, you have your highs and lows. And in some of those cases, it's like, hmm, when the celebrity turns on for some of the people you work with and you see, they're going to treat you differently when the celebrity turns on. Not when they're behind the scenes, but when it's showtime, they may act different, right? And so it's like, why did I let that person talk to me like that? And they did it in front of people. That was very disrespectful. But because I was such a good girl, I was taught, okay, be meek. Because we had to learn all of the, look, I can't even remember it now. God forgive me. <laughs> I can't remember it now, but we had to learn all of the Beatitudes. And um, it says something in there about being meek. And um, yeah, so we had to recite that every day. You know, if we didn't even say a scripture, we couldn't eat Sunday dinner. We had to go to church. If you didn't go to church on Sunday when you was an adult, you could not eat Sunday dinner. That's for sure. But <laughs> this sounds like the crucible. Like, yeah. I, this I, is I just, intense. Yeah, you could not. About it, just I go back to being ooh, the crucible. Yeah, so which trials actually happened, y'all, and it didn't work out so well. So maybe we shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And so just like showing up and doing what you were taught, you know, and I thought it was going to, I was going to, I was going to get wins from that, but I got losses and losses and repeated losses and broken promises. And to me, it just reminded me of the experiences in the church with the pastors and certain things when it came to, you know, accountability for behavior inside of the church as well. And it's like, I'm going to handle that. I'm going to handle this. And it never, ever gets handled. And my favorite phrase to say is accountability is kindness. And mm -hmm. I say it to my high school students a lot these days. Um, they do not like being held accountable. Nobody really does, but especially high school students. But I, I just think it's really interesting that the God that we're taught so often in our youth is one who limits and puts us in a box. And that's not the God that I know in the Bible. And that's not the God that we see. God is um, freeing. And a relationship with God is beautiful and allows you to love yourself and express yourself fully. And because God's image is in us. And it is heartbreaking to again hear that we have failed so many people in Christianity. Mm -hmm. And we are really brainwashed, not well, brainwashing young people mm -hmm. to believe that they have no value yeah. and those young people grow up to into adults and um some of them start podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and boundaries too that's another thing it, it affects your boundaries so overall what i'm trying to say is have good healthy boundaries with people because it really educates people on how you want to be treated that's something i really really struggled with in the beginning of my life and I had to learn that. And especially being a businesswoman, um, I've pretty much been in business for myself almost my, all of my adulthood. And so um, I had to learn boundaries and I had to put those things in place. But because I was raised a certain way and I was being a good girl, when you're when you're being a good girl, you lack boundaries. 
And when you lack boundaries, you'll get taken advantage of every single time. Yeah. I'm curious, Arnesia, because something that, that I struggle with professionally is, you know, I work in tech and there's not a lot of people who look like me. So I'm in a lot of meetings where, you know, I'm the only black person and, and the only black woman. And so for a really long time, I was afraid to voice my opinions, right? Like, I didn't want to be the angry black woman or I didn't want to be the one that's like, hey guys, that's not inclusive. Hey guys, diversity, hey. Like, so, and now I feel like I'm, I'm getting more comfortable in that space, but I'm curious for you how, you know, racism and, and just being a black woman in your industry, like how did you kind of factor that in when you were kind of coming into your own and, and having your voice? Yeah, um, so, let me just make a quick disclaimer that all views are mine. Um, it does not reflect any organization or brand that I affiliate or represent. Um, so a part of one of the organizations that I was a member of at that time, I was not on the board. And um, I would look around and say, dang, we, had this, we have an annual event every year. And um, I was like, I did a video of all of the people who were on the board at that time, and none of them looked like me, not one. And it was even fewer women in general, fewer white women, um, maybe like two, and all white men, and definitely no black women. And I was like, and you know what? When I go back and think about it, has there ever been black people on the board, you know? And I'm like, okay, let me do some research here. And so in that moment, I told myself, I'm gonna be on the board. And because there's nobody here that looks like me, and I know I can't be the only one thinking that. And you're, and you're so right about having those feelings of how, what, what can I say? How much can I say? How should I say it? We probably rewrite our sentences in our head a hundred times before we even speak, <laughs> you know? And um, during the pandemic, luckily, we had a change in, um, in position. And um, the new person who came in, her mindset was totally different. And I have to credit her a lot for being so supportive, for making things different than what they had been. And um, in that time, we had this event called Amplifying Black Voices during the pandemic. And I, again, I wasn't a board member, but she allowed me to speak um, in that event. And I said, oh, this is my time to talk about all the things that are wrong. This whole organization is wrong, everything from top to bottom. And so um, I'm like, okay, I just started calling it out. And I was just like, okay, so, you know, we have more than enough black people in the industry to be at the decision making tables. When you all send out email blasts, they're uh, very insulting and they're not inclusive and they're disrespectful, actually. They're just disrespectful. And you think it sounds like you're pandering. Um, it doesn't sound authentic. And I'm like, why do you have white men writing press releases? speaking on black issues and addressing the black music industry. It doesn't make any sense to me. And that was the first time that I had ever really spoke out like that. And I was shaking because I was like, oh my goodness, I'm probably really not gonna get on the board because <laughs> I am talking about all this stuff. And I kid you not, the first time I ran for board, I did not make it. 
And I was crying. I was so upset because I knew it was because of uh, my skin color. I knew it was because of the membership is totally mostly like white males. Why would a white man vote for a young black woman to be on the board? That's just not going to happen. People, people tend to vote for who look like them, right? And so I didn't get it, and I was so mad about it, and I was just like, I'm so pissed because this is what I'm talking about. We can't even get on the board because this is wrong, and this is wrong, and I was just so upset. And that lady I was telling y'all about, she said, okay, you want to join the committee? Unofficially, I mean, I'm not a board member, but I can join the committees. And I said, perfect. I joined the committee. So I still did what I could do to whatever capacity and max I could amplify and take up space. That's what I did. And I began to say, you know what? Why am I like walking around stressed out with anxiety over am I saying the right thing when they're doing all the wrong things? So why should I take on that stress? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, it didn't make sense to me. And so I just stopped taking on the stress of white people and figuring out, well, what are they gonna think about me for speaking out against their inherent beliefs and ways? And I'm like, I, can, I have a duty and a responsibility because there's gonna be another girl that looks like me five, 10 years from now that's gonna come through here. And also what also helped me um, in making better decisions for myself is, I learned this in therapy, is to- Shout out therapy. Yes. <laughs> and not talking, no, no, let me tell you, talking to your pastor is good, but you do sometimes have to go to therapy and that's something that we were not taught <laughs> either. But I will say, I learned this in therapy and she taught me how to make decisions based on the little girl version of me, right? And so I started treating myself as if I'm like three-year-old Arnasia. And in every situation, I will make a decision. So I'm like, well, I want to be on the board. I want to do whatever. This is little three-year-old Arnasia saying these things. So I have to speak up for her because she's just a kid. Who's going to advocate for her? And ever since I started doing that for myself, I don't care who makes anybody uncomfortable because when you think about it as a child, if you all have kids and you know if somebody messes with your kid, you're going to speak up, you're going to go to hell and back for your kid, right? And when you think, but a lot of times we would take so much stuff ourselves and say, oh, you know what? I can be in this unhealthy marriage. It's okay because it's just affecting me. I can be with unhealthy friends. I could be at a toxic work environment. No big deal because it's only affecting me. But if it was your daughter or your son, you would be like, oh, no, why are you talking to my child like that? What's going on here? And so I had to treat and go like a mother myself, if you will. And when I started talking about the little version of Arnasia and advocating for her, I didn't care who was uncomfortable in the room, you know, because... I'm advocating for her, you know. We'll charge you guys for this free therapy session at the end. <laughs> uh, you can Venmo us. No, that's that's so true and so important. And I, it kind of reminds me of what Kelly was talking about earlier around like things happen to you as a child that as an adult you wouldn't stand for. You're like, oh, this is not okay, right? Yeah. And so 
transitioning just a little bit, but when we think about, you know, abuse and people coming forward and, and whether or not people are believed, like in your, from what you've experienced in your industry, what does that look like? How are allegations of abuse typically handled or mishandled? They're not handled. <laughs> so I would say this too. They coincide because I have a cousin who had a situation with a pastor at a church. He dropped her off at home and he did something very indecent with one of his body parts. And she was a little girl, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. And um, luckily we were able to save and get her out of that situation in that moment. But my family went to the church the next day and was like, hey, this guy did this. And he already had like a reputation. He had a reputation of it. He's a pastor. But even with his own family members, they would say how he was indecent with them and making comments and all these things. And my pastor at that time, and I, and I really looked up to him my whole life. I thought he was the best man on earth. Like he came directly from God and it was just, you know, and he was like, okay, he did that. Okay, um, we're gonna talk to him, we're gonna handle it. And I thought, oh, he's gonna get on him. He's gonna really teach him a lesson. Mm, crickets no resolution the guy was back preaching and doing things like never before just like normal nothing happened to the guy and and because of the audience i'm not going to share what he did to my cousin um but it's extremely awful and um i'm like in that moment i wish i could have you know spoken up more and and advocated but i was a kid too you know but i felt that it was um, injustice at that time um, that was happening. Segwaying to the music industry, it's very similar, you know, because you have a lot of people who are big time producers, who are big time executives, and it's like, if you say this about them, what will happen is you will tend to get that guy would normally sick a lot of women onto you to make you bow down. So he usually doesn't handle it himself. He just sends other women who are enablers of his behavior as well. And so th that's a lot of times what happened. And so the woman can't speak out or she's scared to because it's not just the guy she's afraid of. She's afraid of all of the 30 women that comes behind this guy that's going to ridicule her, send her uh dms not like her and be me have mean girl behavior and um a lot of times that happened because in the industry you know when you're the top guy or whatever it is that you may do a lot of the women they want to be with you to some capacity and if i have to fight this battle and this and this another woman just to get more attention or um, praise from him then i would do that and so a lot of women will do that. And so it's not just the men, it's the collective of things that come with that. And it's also the shaming because what will happen is that guy would normally go on social media or even behind the scenes and call people and talk bad about you in another way. So he won't even mention anything like sexual or something abusive. It'll be like, Oh, I worked with her and she's really bad at her job. She does not do good. And then you're like, well, that's not true. I did a good job. But now everyone's going to think you don't do good work. 
And it's already hard enough as a woman of any color to um, be able to really work and thrive in the industry, right? And so it's more so of that backlash that comes with it. And it affects your, and then now your reputation is tainted because of somebody else's bad behavior. And to avoid all of that hassle and stress of who's not going to deal with you, who's not going to talk to you, and who's not going to want to work with you, you just shut up. And you say nothing about it. And you just keep it moving because it's very, very, very hard. And, you know, even the men that may be your allies in the industry, they may say, oh, I have your back. That was wrong. But then you see them in the studio working with that guy the next day. And it's just like a slap in the face, you know. And I think it's just a very particular thing. I think it does need to be addressed a lot more. Um, and that's why I feel like, and, and even with my label for next year that we're launching, we're implementing a lot of safe barriers and boundaries for people where every artist will have therapy. Every artist will have a level of transparency. Every artist will have all these things because it's so important that we support people at the human level first, um, aside from just who we are professionally. And I think that's what gets twisted in the music industry is all the humanity is taken out of things. And people don't care that, you know, she's crying over this situation. The guy walks through the door, lights still flash, you know, and life goes on. And she's just a bitter person who's unhappy about something else. So it's hard to really go against giants and people. And even if it's not a huge giant, it's just hard in general to go against something that only you two were there for. It's hard to prove that it's he say, she say, you know, and just, I've done my own studies and research about this so I can be more aware too. Only about 2% of abuse cases, first of all, most abuse, abuse cases are not even reported, number one. And out of the 2% that are reported, only about 2% of those are actually false. So you always want to err on the side of believing the victims and people who are saying this happened to them. A lot of people say, oh, that person's lying, or how do you know? Well, look at the stats. You don't even have to be there to know. Do you think this person's a part of that 2%? I doubt it. You know, so a lot of that just goes misdirected, not handled properly. And then you, you, you take on all this trauma and it affects your work and it affects your creativity. And then you see women, you know, not really being able to say, how can I speak up at work tomorrow when people didn't even believe me about this? Right. And it's like, I love the you err on the side of believing, right? Because all the backlash that people get when they do speak up, why would anyone voluntarily be like, hey, I want to get crucified today. Let me make up something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's just, it, it's infuriating, though it's not surprising. Mm -hmm. But I think the work that you're doing is so important. And I just love, I love the fact that you're going to provide therapy. That is huge. Yeah. I, I, it's just such a blessing. So I'm just so encouraged by that and excited for you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, we are gonna do, that's just one of many caveats that we're gonna add um, to making sure it's a safe, again, we want the label to be equitable and a safe home. We want it to be a home, right? So when you come home, you wanna feel comfortable, you wanna feel good, you wanna feel supported, 
you know, you want transparency in your home. And that's our first way of culture is just creating a home and um, making sure artists feel at home so that they can thrive in their creativity. Because if you don't feel at home, you can't be creative. It's going to really affect you. You are so impressive and amazing. And I'm so excited that I was able to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for, for being here, for sharing your gifts, for speaking truth to power. We're so happy to have you. Uh, if folks want to engage with you more, where should they do that? Um, you guys can reach me. I'm more on Instagram more than Twitter. <laughs> I'm definitely not on TikTok. Well, I am on TikTok only to discover artists though, but I have a TikTok, but I don't post. I don't know anything about TikTok like that. Um, <laughs> but Instagram and Twitter would be the go-to. And it's just my name, Arnacia, A-R-N-A-E-C-I-A. And uh, yeah, you guys can find me there. Um, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's the only places. <laughs> can we have a round of applause for her awesomeness? Yes, please. <laughs> Kelly, I know you're about to wrap us up, but I also just want to give a huge round of applause for Miss Kelly Browning. Like, this is amazing. And the work, I'm getting emotional because I love you. And the work that you do is really important. And it's just so great to see it. God, I wasn't going to cry. Dang it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> uh, this is really cool to see you guys. I have tears in my eyes also. Um, thanks, Dara. She brings out the best in me. Um, but that's it. That's a wrap on season three, y'all. And thank you for coming out tonight. I'm not sure of what happens next in terms of the podcast because I'm tired. But <laughs> I am so glad to have been here with you guys. Everyone here, please get a gift. Please get a t-shirt. Please get a gift card to Larry's Designs. And y'all have a good night. Woo! <laughs>